the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 488 for Sunday, February 16, 2014. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions. Sometimes we answer them. Actually, most of the time we answer them. You send in tips. Most of the time we share those. And today you've sent in cool stuff found. We've collected cool stuff found all on our own. And that's what we're going to talk through today is all the cool stuff found that we found and that you found. This show is sponsored in part by Barebones, uh, the makers of BB Edit and Yojimbo at barebones.com and also uh, by Connected Data. The folks who make file tra- file transporter and uh, you can get 25% off the transporter sync at file transporter store.com using the code MGG share here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And uh, most of the time uh, here in fearful Connecticut, John F. Braun. How you doing, John F. Braun? Great. I'm a, uh, I'm struggling through this, uh, you know, Arctic blizzard snowscape that we got here but I'm, I'm i'm doing pretty good you uh you know i'm doing fine with the arctic snowscape that we have up here we had two storms this week but you know of course it involves a lot of shoveling uh because you got to get rid of the snow we have a plow that comes and does the driveway but we have all the decks and the walks and all that stuff so it's always this constant shoveling and this year john and i'm going to segue right into the thing i put first in cool stuff found because i knew you were going to ask me about the weather uh, this year I've been using a Scotty vest revolution plus jacket. It, it not only has, is this a comfortable jacket and a good looking jacket and it's a, it, this is a warm or a, a cold weather jacket. It's a, you know, it, it's, 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 it's lined. So it's, it keeps you warm, but it, that anybody that knows Scotty vest knows that this thing, it's so cool. It, it has pockets for everything. It's got a pocket for your phone, a pocket for a second phone or an MP3 player, a separate pocket for your sunglasses, which has a, uh, um, a, a cloth tethered to it. It's a microfiber cloth. So you can clean your sunglasses and then tuck the cloth back in. It's got a pocket that'll hold my iPad, a pot that one of the front pockets will hold a water bottle. And the cool thing is because all these pockets are sort of spread throughout. And this is true of any Scotty vest because the, the pockets are all spread throughout it. Um, you don't get these weird bulges. I've even noticed uh, when I started using this coat, you know, I always keep a hat uh, and gloves in my coat because I'm always going to hockey games for my son. And then I'm just standing in a cold arena. And so you get cold. And so it's nice to have a hat, but they always bulged out my pockets. Well, because these pockets are all built to kind of hold lots of different things all over the place. It, it doesn't bulge up. But the, one of the coolest things is you can take your earbuds and snake them through the lining of the jacket. There's actually grommets for uh, putting it through and creating all this stuff and uh, and little pockets around the collar that you can tuck each earbud into when you're not using them. But I've got a little pocket for my iPhone, John, and I put my iPhone in it and there's the headphone jack. I plug the headphone jack into the iPhone, pull the little earbuds out of their uh, their their protective covers in the collar and I can listen to music while I shovel and I don't have to fumble around and find my headphones because they're right there in my jacket. So that so I'm using the Scotty Vest Revolution Plus just because it's cold here, but uh, but they've got all kinds of options. So that's my first entrant into cool stuff found. It's cool stuff. Did I lose you? Hello? No, no okay. I'm with you. All right. 
Yeah. So that's so that's so that's how I'm dealing with the weather with cool stuff found. That's what I do. Okay. Why don't you toss one more in the ring, and then then I got a couple here that uh, relate to a, a recent uh, uh, altercation that okay. I've been involved with. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> let me uh, let me get the the show notes together here so that we're we're doing this right. But you know, one thing that um, that I noticed when I got Mavericks, John, and a lot of people have noticed this. Uh, for those of us that still use, and they, there are a lot in service that still use the old acrylic cinema displays, the original and, and, uh, you know, kind of the original line of uh, cinema displays, they have their, their brightness is controlled through the display control panel or system preference pane. And, uh, and it, they've got a USB cable that goes between the monitor and the, uh, and the, and the computer and there's a little button on the front that you can hit and it brings up the displays thing and then you can adjust the brightness there. Well, Mavericks does away with that. And Apple even pushed out a, a, a knowledge base article that says, yep, these displays are too old. So sorry, you know, uh, you can't adjust the brightness anymore. And uh, they call them obsolete displays. So the question is, what do you do? And I found uh, I found two things, actually. One is um, a, a piece of software called Shades, and uh, and that works fairly well. Uh, you you download this uh, this piece of software, and we'll put the uh, we'll put the name in the show notes. I just had a weird echo. Can you still hear me, John? Yes, sir. Okay, all right. Um, and it puts a little thing in your menu bar, one for each monitor that you have. So if you have multiple monitors, it uh, you can adjust the brightness right there. And this would actually be handy for anyone that wants to be able to adjust the brightness of their monitors, but certainly for those that have monitors that are no longer supported by Apple. So, uh, so shades is one, one thing. And then uh, another app in the app store called brightness slider is, uh, is another. So we will, we will put both of those out there, but um, brightness slider for me only worked uh, for a single monitor setup. So bear that in mind. It may, that may or may not matter to you, but um, there is also a way that I saw out there. I have not messed with it where you go into the, uh, uh, the old extension, the old kernel extension that managed the displays from mountain lion and bring in uh, I don't know, it's one or two of those. And you bring them in and put them in the right spot and replace the ones from Mavericks. And then, and then you get all that functionality back. So, so there you go. Those are two cool stuff. Uh, or three, maybe. So go. Okay. Well, I got at least two for you, Dave. All right. So, um, and this is actually related to a, a like I told you, a little, a little uh, uh, tryst that I've been involved with uh, as of late here, and it was uh, something that was brought to my attention by our good friend uh, Chris Breen over yep. at uh, MacWorld. And uh, you know, I was checking my Twitter feed, and um, a couple of people were chattering about a uh, site, which I'm not going to mention them. You can check my feed if you want to get more info. But basically, there was a site that, um, uh, how shall we say it, uh, borrowed some of his content. Yeah, there, there. It's it. John or Chris or somebody uh, found this website that goes and scrapes content from a lot of places, and in this case, MacWorld and Mac Observer included, and then publishes it as their own. Um, and and you know sometimes they'll change a word or two here or whatever, but but essentially they're content scrapers. So so you found one of these content scrapers, John, and and you got into. You 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 became internet vigilante uh, on behalf of all of us, which we appreciate. So so during your travels, what did you find? Well, well, I am um, well. One, it it gave me uh, 
you know, a, uh, you know, chance to brush up on my Google foo. Uh, and once I started looking, the more and more articles I saw on this site, it seems they were ripping off almost everybody. Um, but I don't want to talk about that, though, though it's very unpleasant. And, uh, you know, it's always going to happen. Uh, right. And these guys are like some shady overseas operation, which, uh, you know, you can't reach as far as I can tell. But what was brought to my attention is a couple of tools that can help you um, with sites like this. And one of them is called uh, I don't I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it here. I'm, I'm going to call it what? <laughs> how do you and spell it, John? W.O.T. OK. And what does that stand for? And it's a plug-in, Dave. And, and it's something that I think is really cool once I started using it. Um, and here's the link here. So it's uh, uh, mywot, M-Y-W-O-T.com. And what is Web of Trust? And this is a plugin that will work with nearly every major browser, um, including Safari. It's a Safari extension, uh, but it also works with other browsers. And basically what it does, Dave, is it gives you a little icon in your menu bar. And when you click on it, so, so it does two things. So one, when you go to a website, if you click on this icon, it will give you a trust rating that has been come that has been arrived at by uh, some tools that they use, but also the Internet community at large. You can um, submit ratings to indicate whether, uh, you know, on a sliding scale, how much you trust or distrust this. And they have two major metrics. One is uh, the level of trust and one is if it's a, 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 a content that's appropriate for the wee ones. Sure. Um, but I just thought it was so clever because it's a crowdsourced way of you to determine, again, whether a site is trustworthy or not. So I if like you get it. people like this that rip off content um, and basically their rating is is not not that stellar right now. And of course, you know, you know, sites like. Mac Observer and Mac Geekab, of course, are trustworthy because you trust us and we trust you. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So that was cool. And then the other part of the story that was hilarious, Dave, is um, so apparently once they got some attention brought upon them, uh, they pulled the uh, what I thought was the rather amateurish move of uh, blocking my access to their site uh, via my IP of my primary ISP, along with uh, Chris and some other people. Nice. And I'm like, are you people serious? And we even joked with each other, like, gee, how am I going to get around that? How would you get around that, John? <laughs> well, you know, Dave, and it's something we mentioned in the past, but I thought it's relevant here. So, you know, Dave, you can get around this, that there's this thing called Tor. And we've talked about this before. And there's this thing called Tor Browser Bundle. And that's my answer to you as to how do you get around something like this? Because one of the one of the things that this does, so it's a combination of the Tor tool, um, I believe a special version of Firefox that uh, that integrates with it uh, very seamlessly. But basically, Dave, um, <laughs> it makes it so uh, your IP address is pretty much uh, random uh, based on y utilizing the Tor network. Yeah, that's right. No, that's a, uh, and it's a that's a great tool to use if you need to just become another IP uh, immediately, temporarily. And freely, right? There are other ways to become other IPs. You could uh, you could reset your cable modem and change your MAC address, which would, in theory, get you a different IP from your uh, from your ISP. That that requires some work, though, especially the changing the MAC address apart. Um, you could also sign up for a proxy server uh, or a VPN server somewhere, but. Uh, that typically there, there are, to my knowledge, no free VPN servers. Please let us know if you know of some that are actually worth using. 
but Tor is effectively a, I mean, it's a weird style of VP. Well, it's not a VPN. It's a, it's a masking uh, method that bounces your connection through at least three other servers. So it, it just, and the other might, interesting might side out. effect and the other interesting side effect of it, Dave is uh so you can see that you look like a different computer because you can go to a site like my favorite is what is my and it'll show you, Hey, look, your IP is now this, right? right, right. <laughs> but it's funny because the, the other thing that kind of tickled me about this is that if you go to certain sites, depending on where they think you're coming from, it'll localize the content. So for example, one time I started it up and I was all of a sudden coming from some country, you know, over in uh, Eastern Europe and it would, and, and certain sites that I went to like uh, Google plus and all that would yeah. localize their content saying, Oh, well you're from this part of the world. So I'm going to, I'm going to display things in this language because I want to be smart. To right. Make and sure what understand I understand what's happening. I will say if you are going to use Tor, uh, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about this because we've got a ton of stuff to go through. But Google yeah, is the wrong search engine to use it. It ninety nine percent of the time it will not work for you. You will be bounced because your IP is this constantly changing thing. Um, so if you if you want to use a search engine uh, through Tor, uh, the one that I've found that works is DuckDuckGo.com. dot uh, com. That one does not care if you are connected through Tor. So okay. Sorry to go on so long. No, was, no, uh, it's good. <laughs> All right. But, you know, speaking of, of cool stuff in the browser, uh, David wrote in, he says, but something I just noticed in the Chrome browser, he says, when I, op- when an open tab is playing sound, a speaker icon appears in the tab. Uh, and he sent us a little screenshot. He says, I often open a whole bunch of tabs in the background and then get annoyed when one starts auto playing music or something. And I can't figure out which tab it is with this. You get a visual cue in the tab, whether it's frontmost or not, it shows you this thing and it's just automatic with Google Chrome. So, uh, really? So, yeah. Oh, wow. Because boy, that aggravates me when I hear when, when a web page makes, <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I may have to use Chrome more. I think the only downside of Chrome, Dave, is that it, Will not because uh, I think it's still 32 bit. It will not run Java. Oh, interesting. Or, last I checked, that's oh. the only fish shake that people have against Chrome is mm. that it doesn't integrate well with Java because Chrome is still at least on Mac 32 bit. Though maybe this has changed, and uh, Java, of course, is 64 bit. So, yeah, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it looks uh, from quick Google searching, it looks like there is not a 64 bit version of Google Chrome. So, yeah, interesting. So, uh, so that's one. I get, I got another one, John, from Andy. Andy, uh, Andy writes. Uh oh, how come I can't find Andy now? What have I done, John? Uh, which one? Which Andy am I looking for? I don't have it. It's not in my. Uh, oh, I know where it is. I know what has happened here. I'm almost certain I know what's happened. No, maybe not. No, I got nothing. I'll find it because it's how I roll. And it's a good one, too. It was a, uh, a follow-up for a previous episode. How do I not have that here? Oh, duh. Because it's not an email. It's an audio. Yeah, I got it here. Hey, guys. I hope- it's Andy, the sound man. Um, and I wanted to mention at the discussion of the um, stuck uh, optical digital audio out 
thing, which is incredibly annoying. Uh, two things which uh, come to, came to mind. Uh, one is if you do want to use that optical out, which I use for the Mac Mini, which serves as my home server and sits next to the stereo in my living room, um, I have a cable which you can get from Monoprice for not a lot of money, which has the correct um, end to go into the headphone jack uh, directly and take that optical digital out. And then the other end of the cable is the standard toss link, uh, which goes into a digital input on my receiver. And so I get digital audio right out of the Mac and into my receiver, and it is lovely. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is if uh, you or the listener who was asking the question or anyone uh, is looking for a Bluetooth speaker, uh, I wanted to put in a recommendation for the Bose SoundLink Mini. Um, now, full disclosure, I have a relative who works at a Bose store. Uh, and so the one that my dad has, which I have used, uh, was something that we got as a dis at a discount because of her uh, employment, uh, and she bought it for dad as a gift. Um, but uh, it was not a promotional thing in any way. So It doesn't matter. Uh, Just I tell us. I have to say that as somebody who is really, really picky about audio, this thing blows my mind. It is tiny. And I mean, maybe two inches high by six inches wide by three inches deep, something like that. Um, and the amount and quality of sound which comes out of this little tiny box is absolutely shocking. I mean, it really will fill a reasonable size room, not with sort of concert level rock and roll, but as loud as most people listen most of the time in most places. And so if you wanted one to, you know, something to put on your desk or, um, my dad is an antique dealer and does antique shows all over the place, and he puts it in one corner of his booth and streams music from his iPad or uh, iPhone, actually, and it just sounds great. It really, really sounds great. Uh, it is battery-powered or can be AC-powered if you want. Um, I believe it also has an analog in if you want to go in via cable via, rather than via Bluetooth. Um, the Bluetooth thing is real easy. Um, and it, it, it just, the amount of sound that comes out of this little tiny thing is truly shocking. Yeah, it's pretty amazing uh, what has happened with speaker technology over the years. So thanks, Andy. That's, uh, that's two cool stuffs found, cool things found. Which uh, which is excellent. So uh, yeah, and I think the Bose SoundLink Mini is uh, it's a it, MSRP is about two hundred bucks, I guess, and uh, you can probably find it on Amazon a little cheaper than that too. So, all right, John, what uh, you got something for me or, or you, 
not yet. Not yet. All right. Well, then soon. Okay. Well, then what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to talk about Mike here because he's got an interesting one. And then and then we will talk about uh, and then we'll talk about our first sponsor. Mike says, when I was searching for wireless channels in my area, I ran across another strong signal on the same channel I'm on. It's called Xfinity Hotspot. It seemed like it was coming from my Comcast router. So I changed the channel on my router and the channel on the Xfinity Hotspot changed too. I did some Googling and come to find out Comcast is putting wireless hotspots on residential modems to increase their hotspot coverage. Basically, anyone with an Xfinity username and password can then log in uh, and use the connection provided by your modem. Comcast says that the two wireless routers are separate and it does not use your bandwidth. This does make sense if they use separate VLANs. He says, but really Comcast? I guess if you call them, they will turn it off. I'm going to do this this weekend. I didn't know if you guys had heard about this, so I wanted to let you know. And indeed, yeah, Comcast is doing this. They've been doing it for a little while. Um, they, it sounds like certainly, I mean, they explained it to Mike, but, but probably would have been good uh, for them to tell people that they are doing this. It, it's important to, to highlight the one spot of Mike's email uh, where he says, that Comcast is not using your network. People are not connecting to your Wi-Fi network. They're connecting to Comcast's network that happens to be provided by the same box. Um, and, and those people are not impacting your bandwidth. They are not uh, accessing your stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So it, um, it, I, I don't have a Wi-Fi Comcast router. All I have is a cable modem from them. But uh, but I, I, to me, this doesn't I think this is a really good idea as a Comcast customer. I'm really glad that they're doing this. I think it's great because it's really nice when I go somewhere and I've noticed this over the last six months or so. I go places and suddenly, you know, I joined the the whatever the Xfinity hotspot once. So now my phone will just grab it anytime I'm anywhere and it logs me into my Comcast account and uh, and it works great. So it's really nice to be downtown somewhere and just grab a Comcast signal. It's, it's pretty awesome. But it sounds like you're 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 ready to roll, John. So go. Well, I, I have mixed feelings. So one, and I think this was Mike's. The the thing is, they should really tell people about this. So it sounds like they're doing this, and if you want to opt out, you certainly can. Sure. And I would trust that they are in fact separating the networks. That it's not taking your bandwidth. I guess my only concern would be number one. You know, if you're offering a a, a point where you know, anybody can log in. I'd kind of be concerned from a security point of view that, hey, well, why don't I just sit there and log into this and watch anybody who happens to be logging into this as well, uh, you know, to see what happens. Well, that, but that's <laughs> right? true of any public Wi-Fi. I, yeah, I understand that. But the thing is, I mean, heck, if it's coming from inside, the, you know, the call's coming from inside the house, <laughs> it, it'd be very easy for me to do that because, heck, I'm hosting it. Oh, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Modem. Yeah, sure. Sure. You could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, on the other hand, I, I applaud it because um, I think I told you, uh, you know, my last uh, cell data bill, Dave, was teeny. Like yeah. I used one percent of my allocation, uh, according to Data Man and also confirmed by uh, by uh, Verizon because I was doing all Wi-Fi because right. in my community here and we actually have a cross licensing thing is that I will see. Uh, both. Uh, so right now I'm looking at my uh, my list here. I will see. So I right now see on my portable, I see Xfinity Wi-Fi, Optimum Wi-Fi, and then every now and then I'll see a TWC Wi-Fi, which is a Time Warner. Sure. 
Uh, so we have they, they have like a cross some sort of agreement where where they'll make them all available uh, to to anybody who's part of any of those networks. Uh, yeah. So so I guess my only thing is that they should really tell people because, uh, you know, it sounds like it was a surprise to Mike. Is like, right. Wow. Right. Yeah. It would just be good to let people know, hey, we're doing this and you benefit, too. But this is you know, this is how it works. No, I think it's good. I think it's good. Um, I, so I want to mention our our first sponsor, which is. Barebones at barebones.com. Barebones has been making software in the Mac industry longer than I've been working in the Mac industry, longer than we've been doing this show for sure. And uh, and the first thing we want to talk about with them is BB Edit. Uh, BB Edit is their the Mac flagship uh, text editor, if you ask me. Uh, it's something it's built uh, by programmers, which makes no uh, which is no surprise, but it, it and it certainly is built for programmers, but you don't necessarily have to be a programmer to take advantage of it. Uh, I I have it because I do some coding uh, and certainly when I'm doing some coding, it's great. It auto senses whatever language I'm using. Uh, it will uh, highlight the text in a way that makes it easy to see what functions are there and what variables are there and all that without actually changing the text just highlights it kind of in the view window, if you will. And it makes it really easy to have text files, a a slew of them open all at once in just one window. Uh, Instead of using the tabbed approach, it actually uses a, a list drawer, which makes life really easy. If you need to have like 50 files open, it's really simple to jump around in that list drawer and say, okay, I want to edit that one now. And then I want to edit this one. And yet it keeps it all really clean. And the cool part is you can have multiple windows, each with their own list drawer. So I have one for each little project that I'm working on or, or, or however I like to manage things. But, uh, but then I always leave one window open as my kind of uh, testing ground, if you will, in BB edit. And it's not so much testing, but it's just my work window where I can blow away whatever's in there. And a lot of times I'll put data out there to count the number of characters or words, which happens automatically count the number of lines that happens automatically. Uh, It's available right there in the window. You can also sort your text right there in the window. Uh, It's also handy if you're trying to paste text that you've say copied from a web page into say a word document and it's coming or an email and it's coming in with all this weird formatting and you don't want the formatting. You just want text pasted into BB edit and then copy it out of BB edit seems weird paste select all copy but because BB edit is a text only editor it by by nature of that strips the formatting and just lets you paste the raw text in uh, so it's pretty cool stuff and you can check it all out of course at barebones.com you can buy it when you're ready to buy from either the Mac App Store or from barebones uh, but you can get a free trial download from barebones.com. So I really, really encourage you to check that out. Start there. Barebones.com. Download BB Edit. And, uh, and away you will go. And, uh, and with that, John, I want to uh, share a quick thing. We'll just put a link in the show notes. We're not actually going to play this in the show. But, uh, but listener Mike, and I believe it's a different Mike, uh, sent us a link and again, am I having trouble? Fine. No. Okay. I have that one here. Uh, a lot of links today. Uh, Mike says, I thought you guys would find this in- interesting. And and did you watch this video, John? The Guardian has published the uh, a video of the Snowden hard drives. They got copies of, of a bunch of data from uh, Edward Snowden. 
the NSA leak, if you will. And, uh, and, and they had to destroy these hard drives. They, they agreed to destroy these hard drives. The guardian did, um, because they were getting all kinds of flack for it. Well, and, and it's just, so taking the politics out of it, it's very cool to see how they're, you know, destroying these hard drives with the agents kind of looking over their shoulders. So, uh, so it's pretty cool. It's in like the basement of the Guardian that they're smashing these things. So we'll put the link in the show notes and you guys can watch it later. So it's good stuff. Now, you know, off the top of my head, Dave, that actually leads me. So I'm going to mention uh, something that I've been revisiting as of late here. So my understanding is that one of the tools that uh, that our, our friend uh, Snowden used to uh, scrape some of the pages is, uh, and you may have heard of this, is a, a, a Unix utility called, uh, I believe it's WGET. Oh, sure. Yeah. I use WGET all the time. Awesome. And and I think that's basically what it does is that it, yeah, it'll, it'll suck down all the contents of a web page and store it. Yeah. Um, WGET is not included by default in, uh, in Mac OS 10's Unix. Uh, so if you want to use it, you've got to kind of go out of your way to install it. But another very similar and actually more powerful utility is called curl C U R L. And that is installed at Unix's uh, at OS 10's Unix command line by default. So, but what if you want to get, access to these wonderful tools they've like wget go well you know you can go and you can go out there and you know get the source code and compile it you know you get xcode and all that stuff there but you know that's kind of a hassle wouldn't it be great if somebody you know uh made a utility that would kind of manage what i'm going to call packages here yeah <laughs> so the one that i just revisited here and it's and and it seems to work uh, splendidly in mavericks is, is something called think commander Sure. So the underlying thing is called Fink, and Fink is one of uh, several package managers that are available. Uh, it's basically people that take uh, Unix source code, uh, fine tune it uh, to work on 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 the Mac. Uh, but Fink is mostly a command line thing. It's the last I checked. But Fink Commander is a GUI that will integrate with Fink. So once you install Fink and they tell you how to do this, you then get Fink Commander, and it makes it very easy for you to see what packages are installed. Uh, you can pull down the source code. You can compile it. Um, and again, I, I I wasn't sure if it worked with Mavericks, but I was like, wow, I really want to check out this WGET tool. And uh, and that lets you do it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. W, I, I, I had I had to relearn to use curl from the command line. It was funny. I always use WGET from the command line and all the Linux stuff that we do because it's part of most Unixes. It's just not part of OS tens. Um, and then. Uh, and I use curl inside PHP all the time to do calls because I don't trust PHP's, uh, especially I didn't, you know, in like version four, I didn't trust PHP's ability to go get things on the web. Cause if a website didn't respond, PHP would just sit there. There was no way to tell it, Hey, uh, and time out after like four seconds, if you don't get data, cause we got to move on here, you know, uh, it would just sit there and say, yeah, no, no, I'm still waiting, still waiting. So curl was, was the reason that I, I did that, but had to learn to use curl at the command line. And now I've just become automatic with it because. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I didn't want to mess around with installing extra things at the command line, but, uh, but there's really no reason to, to have any hesitation there. It, Fink commander makes that easy. It's good. You got another one, John, or, or am I going to, uh, to Eric here? Uh, once you go to Eric, then I'm, then throw it back to me. Okay. And I, I got a couple more to, to throw at you. Great. So Eric says, uh, I know you have talked about the difficulty of extracting data from an encrypted iTunes backup. If you forget the password. So I thought I would pass this along. Uh, it's called 
iPhone Backup Viewer from iMacTools.com. It says, apparently the pro version of this software, iBackup Viewer, can extract data from encrypted backups. It says, I have not tested it myself yet, but I thought I would pass this along. And uh, so we will pass that along as well and put it in the show notes. And he says, uh, I think he followed up and said he wasn't necessarily able to hack the password of a backup, but uh, a backup that iTunes said was uh, uh, damaged. Or, or corrupted, I, I, this iBackup viewer would read data from a corrupted encrypted backup with, uh, with the appropriate password. So uh, it's good to, you know, these are the kind of things that it's good to kind of file away because someday, someday you might just need it. John, what do you got? Well, I have another one, Dave, because I recently had a reason to do this. I think it was a question I was researching uh, for a listener. Uh, which was talking about uh, various contents of the camera roll or, okay. or um, I don't know, photo stream, uh, which I believe the, con- the the contents of that can be stored by some of the in the backup file. Right, right. Or maybe not. But anyways, I, I found another utility. Now, it looks it looks like they're using a cross platform development tool, but I found this one as well. So I have both on my machine. I backup viewer. But I also have another one here, Dave, called iPhone Backup Extractor. Oh, is that from Super Crazy Awesome? Um, no. Oh, okay. No, as far as I can tell, it's it's from another group here. And so right. uh, iPhone Backup Extractor, now they claim the original and best. Uh, well, you know, we'll let you determine that. But they have a free version, and then they have uh, various uh, uh, paid versions where you get support and all that wonderful stuff. And uh, there are versions for it. Again, it looks kind of hokey because I think they're using a cross-platform kit, but it's available for Windows, Mac, and uh, Linux. Uh, and it works, you know, with uh, at least with my backup files. Uh, I just thought I'd, uh, just thought I'd mention it because that's, that's a, a cool thing. But then, Dave, another thing here uh, that I thought I'd mention is something that I tried out here. So uh, our uh, friends at ProSoft uh, sent me an email and, and a code for this, and I tried it out. And I thought it'd be something to mention because, uh, you know, it's terrible when you lose things and it, it'd be great if you could get it from your iPhone backup. But Dave, what if you have pictures um, that you've taken with your digital camera and you've lost them or your card's been corrupted, which I, I mean, do you like the way I just dovetailed that? I mean, wasn't that just brilliant? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so anyways, they recently uh, uh, released or re-released or updated um a utility that will do this for you, Dave. And it's called Picture Rescue 2. And it pretty much does what you would, uh, well, I'll tell you what it does, Dave. So you take your, uh, so in my case, I took an SD card, put it in my Mac Mini, ran this, and it was actually an SD card that I had formatted in my camera. And I was like, okay, let's see what you guys can do. And basically, I put my card in there. It sits there. It runs a, a very clever algorithm. It'll tear through your card and basically it will recover or show you. So, so once it's, it's done its work, it'll then show you uh, previews if it can find them. Uh, and it'll show you all the photos on the card that uh, normally you wouldn't be able to get because, you know, like in this case, I formatted the card, but you may also want to use a utility like uh, you may want to use this to recover photos. If, if say your card can get corrupted, this, this can happen if, you know, you insert it or remove it at the wrong time. Or just terrible things happen. Uh, so I thought I mentioned it. I believe it's a uh, twenty bucks. Uh, the the other thing it lets you do, and I, I believe uh, they actually did this when I saw them at a at a show, and they just introduced the prior version, and they're like, "Yeah, hey, we got this cool recovery utility." And I'm like, "Hey, wouldn't it be cool if you also introduced a 
uh, feature that would actually totally destroy the photo so people mm. cannot recover it. And that's another thing that this does. Uh, that's awesome. So, so it kind of prevents you from using it. <laughs> right. So right. you're really worried because as, as, as most people know, but if you don't, when you format media, typically it's not going to overwrite everything. It just deletes the, uh, you know, the directory or, or the reference to the pictures, but the pictures or the content is still there. Sure. Um, but if you want to be ultra paranoid uh, and erase your pictures totally, this will also do it for you. So picture rescue two. Very cool. Uh, you know, John, I had complained, uh, lamented, if you will, about Touch ID not being reliable for me. And uh, and to. well, <laughs> it, understandably, um, it, and and several people uh, kind of forward along this this uh, this fix, if you will. But uh, it, it the fix came from Steve Gibson. And I believe it was during a uh, segment of the Security Now podcast. And uh, and Apple has always said that Touch ID is one of these things that as you use it, it will get better. Um, and so, you know, the hope is that, you know, each time you put your thumb down, if it find if it sees, say, you know, uh, 50 or 60 percent of the part of your thumb that it knows about and then 40 percent of a part of your thumb that it does not then it will learn about that 40% because it's going to say, hey, 60. And I don't know if the numbers are 60% as the minimum, but whatever this minimum is, it says, I see enough of this to trust that this is the finger that I'm supposed to allow to open this device. And while I'm at it, I've got this extra data that I don't recognize. So I'm going to go and store it along with that finger. And that way I'll improve my chances the next time the person, you know, puts their thumb down this same way. And uh, and and that is true. Uh, what Steve realized is that you, when you go into settings and go into the touch ID portion of settings and you got to enter your password when you get in there, and we've said when you're in there and you float your finger over the, uh, over the, the sensor over the home button, it highlights whichever finger that is. Uh, but it, and it makes sense. Uh, it, Steve, figured out through trial and error that this also takes part in the overtraining. So uh, if you want to, over, and I've tested this and it totally works. Uh, if you want to overtrain your uh, iPhone, just go in there and, you know, maybe while you're doing a podcast uh, for a bunch of people, you can just keep floating your thumb on that. And you could do that for an hour. The iPhone will never get tired. And, you know, you start moving your finger around and what, what Steve suggested is a good idea is, you know, start in the middle, make sure it recognizes you and then slowly inch your finger kind of back toward the top and you will see that it will, you know, learn all the way up to the top and then you can just use the top and it'll work or the edge and it'll work and you kind of move it around while you're doing this. So, um, so it, it's, it's a, a function of overtraining or, or, or properly training. I should say, I don't think it's overtraining. It's properly training your touch ID, uh, data that's inside your iPhone. John, speaking of data that's inside your iPhone, I have an exercise for you uh, mm -hmm. because this blew me away. Uh, and I don't, we have not, uh, we have not prepared this. So it's possible that you'll say, Oh yeah, dude, I knew. Uh, but uh, do you have the app pedometer plus plus on your phone? Uh, no. Okay. Go, if, bear with me here, folks. And, and, and John bear with me too. go to the app store. And uh, 
and and download Pedometer Plus Plus. It is a free app, and I'll I'll put a link in the show notes while uh, while you are doing that. Uh, it's a it's a an app that uses the M7 chip in the iPhone 5S to um, to count your steps, which is cool because you know the iPhone 5S has this chip in it, and uh, it's supposed to be super efficient and uh, and not add anything to your battery and yet still uh you know track your steps so uh so how's that coming along john the pedometer plus plus there it, is Wait, the does that cost money it's free pedometer it's, free it's free oh, well i see well no I'm, I'm doing a match here so there's pedometer pedometer free pedometer plus ahead. plus oh all right Hold pedometer on. plus plus I can I can I can text you a link. Would that be uh, would uh, that be better? No, no, no. I'm, okay. Uh, no, I saw a plus plus. All right. So pedometer plus plus. I clicked yeah. on it. Yeah. Walk with map my walk map my fitness free. Yes. Is that it? No. Hold on. Search is really not a. Uh... It's uh if you search. Here it is. No, I got it. I okay. got it. No pedometer right, plus plus cross forward. Cross forward. Right? That's right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Go ahead and download. Free. It. Yep. Install. Okay. Okay. So we'll, we'll pretty pretty graph. Uh, yeah, okay. we'll wait while the pretty graph runs, and uh, and you get your your little download there. And uh, I'll have a sip of tea while you do that. For you folks at home can have a sip of tea. You got that app uh, launched there, John? Uh, it just downloaded. Okay, because uh, I want super uh, fast Wi-Fi here. That's and, right. Uh, I'm going to click open. Okay, click click open. I? Yes, please do. And oh, look at that. Whoa, whoa. Pedometer would like to access your motion activity. Please say yes to, uh, to I, I, allow. I, I, don't, I don't know. What to, please, please say yes. Just, I, for, just I, for the purposes of the exercise. Them? Trust me. You just trust me. Okay. Okay. All right. Now you're going to be blown away because what do you see there? Uh, it, it, it shows me a number and, uh, and a, a measure of distance. Right. But at the bottom of the page, does it show you data from Monday through today? Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? You know, if I didn't know better, I would Dave, I would say that the phone is recording this data. It is. <laughs> and that's what's cool about this app. This app is not a pedometer app. It is a data management app. It pulls the data out. This M7 chip is tracking your steps all the time. It only keeps seven days for seven days of data. Uh, now this app will pull in the most recent seven days when you first launch it, uh, as John uh, just pointed out for us. Thank you, John, for, for bearing with me and, and humoring me on that. But it will it will then, you know, keep more of that uh, as you go. And you can set uh, you can set little, uh, you know, goals for yourself and all that, all that good stuff. Uh, so if you have an iPhone 5S, you have a pedometer. And what's really cool, because I've heard people say, oh, I want to get a Fitbit. Well, go get the Fitbit app. It's free. And guess what? If you have a 5S, it will read from the Fitbit app. And it and uh, Jeff Gamut has a Fitbit and a 5S. And he says it's great because uh, he if he needs to take his Fitbit off to charge or whatever, <sighs> he doesn't lose the data. He prefers to use the Fitbit because it also tracks his sleep and all this other stuff. But uh, but, it, you know, you, you get this gap protection. And for some of us, you know, the, just the simple uh, step counting that's in in these apps, you, you know, or the, the simple right. step counting on the 5S m m might be enough. So, all right, Mr. Hamilton. Yes, sir. The, 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 this dovetails again. I, I love I don't know why it's a dovetail and not another bird, but this 
I just looked at um, some of the settings on my phone here, Dave, and it leads into another app but because I was going to mention another app that I personally use when I go for a stroll about town. Yep. And you know where you're going to see these settings here? If you go into settings, privacy, motion activity. Yeah. You know what two apps I see there, Dave? You won't see, see anything if you don't have uh, motion apps and or I think so. I don't think I don't think you'll right. see anything there. But and you know what I see there, Dave? I see two apps. I see pedometer, the one you just installed, and I see Strava. Yep, which is the other app that uh, which is the app that I use that also uses the GPS and it gives you a, a cool little map and. Like, I think the last time I sent it out is when I went to an event in uh, Manhattan and I walked from uh, Grand Central Terminal, not Grand Central Station, people, Grand Central Terminal to the Javits Center. And I'm like, hey, let me record this. And once you record it, you can send a, a record of it, which shows on the GPS. So it showed me walking from here to there. And personally, it'll give you, you know, the amount of calories you burn and, and stuff like that here. But that's interesting. So I got to revisit Strava because... According to this setting, Strava is also recording that data. That's right. Well, it's cool. it, yeah, it's able to access it. And and so and this does it not only is this cool and and I was very excited to find out about it. And I realize I may be very late to this party because uh, several folks I talked to already knew. But uh, but I figured since I didn't know, maybe some of you didn't know either. Uh, but uh, it, what's interesting is it 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 shows us. And by by comparing the data, you know, I have the Fitbit app and the uh, pedometer plus plus app. And they both report exactly the same number of steps. And it's again, because the apps aren't doing the counting, they aren't running in the background doing anything. They're just reading the data that the phone is already collecting, uh, which is interesting. Uh, you, some of you may find it, you know, the, the question is, well, would I want to let say my health insurance company, uh, would I want to let their app have access to this data? And that's of course a question we all need sure. to answer. Yeah, I would say no, but that's okay. You know, it's, uh, it's, it, unless there's some reason and they will, you know, that in so, at some point the insurance companies will say, okay, yeah, if you give us access to that stuff, um, you know, we'll, we'll give you a 10% break on your premiums. If uh, you agree to give us uh, tracking access to you. And, you know, as long right. as you can show us that you're walking 5,000 steps a day oh. and you're not ever driving over 70 miles per hour because we're going to, you know, get the data from your GPS. And right. I mean, that that's possible. Well, you've it's, seen that progressive has that they have this little dongle, which you can plug into mm -hmm. a uh, car that has the latest interface. And they basically spy on you to make you make sure you're not driving like a, a maniac, like a lunatic. And if you don't <laughs> and if you don't, understandably they'll they'll uh, give you a, a discount now here's the other thing dave that this other setting uh, again data that uh, is collected that you may not know about and i don't know if you know about this dave but i'm going to tell you and everybody else so again if you go to settings privacy location services then you go all the way to the bottom system services frequent locations did you know about this i i told you about this on this very right, show right after ios 7 okay i'm out. not sure if you t i'm not sure if you told me yeah. about it or, or someone else did but yes yeah. and it's very accurate is that it shows me the locations and of course you can turn it off but some people may want to turn that off if you don't necessarily want your phone spying on you but it comes in handy because it builds a profile of where you travel more you know uh, frequently and i guess we'll we'll tune certain apps to uh take advantage of that data okay yeah. you told me about it i, I yeah. wasn't sure where i heard about it but no uh, it's good it's a good reminder it's a good reminder all right uh you know i got a cool thing at ces that i did not mention uh and it's called the charge key 
this is a small, tiny uh, lightning charger. Uh, it is literally uh, an inch and a half long. It's got a USB connector on one end, a lightning connector on the other. Uh, it's got a little loop on it that you could put on your keychain. Uh, it is this kind of the size and shape of a of a key, so that it would fit on your keychain, and uh, and it works. It I've used it. Uh, I've, I've I don't uh, keep a keychain, so I've put this in my travel bag, so I always know that I have uh, at least some sort of lightning cable with me that's not going to get all tangled up you know the big problem is you put a cable in your travel bag and the cable gets bent or crimped or something and then you're 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 hosed well not with this you know um so and i think uh i think they're like uh they want 25 bucks for it which isn't cheap but it's a you know it's a sturdy thing it's rubberized so it'll bend and and is really flexible but uh i'll put a link in the show notes for it's from hello nomad.com so it's uh it's cool stuff that's why that's what we're here for now, did you say CES, Dave? I did. Okay, well, I'm going to... I think I mentioned this to you. So I, so I got a, a little goodie box of uh, CES uh, uh, from uh, our Dr. Bot. Dr. Bot. Yeah. Um, even though I didn't go to CES, well, I went to the pre-event in Manhattan, but I didn't go to the real thing like you did. Sure. Um, but I got a goodie box. And actually, one of the things that I kind of like, Dave, that you know they include in the goodie box. So, you know, I got it for free. But I tried it out, and so far, I'm pretty happy with it, Dave. But it's from... Uh, tilt okay the energy 5k plus and it's a cool little battery pack and so far so so before i had the uh uh richard solo 1800 which was only you know a, a measly 1800 milliamp hour battery right and of course now i can't use it anymore because the uh converters don't seem to work they convert from the 30 pin connector to the new connector on my iphone 5s but dave i'm pretty happy with this it, it's a neat little package um it holds 5,200 milliamp hours, as the uh, name kind of applies here. Uh, and it has both a lightning connector and a, uh, I think it's a micro USB connector. And it also has a USB port that you can plug into. And then if you click on the little button on it, it will, uh, the LED will tell you how much energy is stored in it. And it uses a micro USB to charge it. What, uh, and what, and, which uh, model of tilt is this? Uh, this is the, uh, well, I'm going to put it in the room here so you can see it, but okay. it's the uh, Energy 5K Plus. All right. And uh, so far, I'm happy with it because, you know, actually, Dave, to tell you the truth, I've been having a very rough time here. So I, I, I didn't listen to you, which, you know, it's just my thing. I know. <laughs> and and I got a bunch of lightning cables where I keep getting I, I don't know what it is, though. And I can't be the only one here, Dave. But I have a lot of these cables that did not come with the with the uh, phone that it will report when it gets to a certain charge level, it'll say this accessory may not be supported. Mm -hmm. Or I get the message, do you trust this device that you're plugged into? And it's like, I already answered this question. Why are you asking me this again? And I don't know whether it's just a, a faulty cable or they didn't, uh, they didn't implement the MFI thing properly, but it's, it's aggravating. Now I didn't have that problem with this thing. This thing charged wonderfully. It just charged it all the way to maximum and I didn't get any complaints, but um I don't know if you do you run into any issues with your 5S as far as well, anybody know. running iOS seven will run into issues if you have cables that are not Apple certified and using the Apple chip in them. Uh, they simply will not work to charge your phone. And it, this all started after and it's not just iOS seven. It's like iOS seven point oh point one or something. There was some update where Apple tightened this down because there was that big fire in China where, where somebody had a cheap cable 
and it burned up their iPhone because it overcharged mm-hmm. the thing, et cetera, et cetera. So Apple was like, that's it. We're done. We have this program. Uh, people should be following these. And so, uh, yes, I had uh, ordered three cheap cables from somewhere that were not certified and none of them worked. Okay. And so I, I sent them back and they gave me my money back. But I, I've ordered cables from plenty of places and and you just have to make sure you order quality cables. I, I've, I've okay. found um, the uh, the cable jive stuff, cablejive.com. I have, uh, you know, the, the for short cables. And I, I really I, I, I seem to have enough long cables, although if you want really long cables, these are the guys to talk to, too. But they have a really short 12 centimeter cable, uh, five inches long. And uh, it's called the iBolts uh, XS, I think. Uh, looking it up. Yes, the iBolts XS. So, uh, so I yeah, and the cable jive folks know what they're doing with cables. So you you are going to pay more for cables that have Apple's chip okay. in it because somebody's got to pay Apple for that chip. So yes, yeah, that's what you got. Okay, do. yeah. Someone told me, hey, go to this one place and order the cables. They were like, you know, two bucks each, and they ship from Hong Kong. And right. They, they work most of the time, but every now and then they'll they'll give me these hiccups. So yeah, I guess you get what you pay for. Yes. Okay. Yes. Lesson learned. But you know, yeah. it wasn't an expensive lesson. No. And you know what? Okay. Uh, I'm glad that uh, the pixelated in the chat room, I'll say hi to everybody in the chat room, macgeekab.com slash stream. He's, uh, he's also suggesting mono price, which does have Apple certified cables and <gasps> cheap. They also have, so this is something I want to check out. So uh, um, they also have glass uh, screen protectors for the iPhone for like 14 or 15 bucks which is half the price that you can get them for anywhere else. But I have not tested them yet. So they might be junk or they might be good. But, uh, but I noted that or John, actually, oh. John, my friend, my friend, John had noted that to me. So I'm going to dig that out because actually I did get one at that. The uh, same event that I got some other goodies. Uh, they actually gave me a media kit that had not only a glass protector or some yep. super duper material, but Dave, it actually included a little stand and a steel ball. Huh. So you could drop it. Oh, wow. <laughs> to the glass protector huh. and prove to yourself that it works. And they showed it at the show and it, it certainly does. Now, sure. uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'd want to repeat that experiment at home, but they, the, the, the kid actually had that, which was kind of cool. So uh, that's cool. I'm, I'm still wary, though, because I mean, you know, I mean, the, the phone is beautiful. I, the only thing I have on my phone, Dave, is the leather case that I bought from Apple. And it's a wonderful case. I'm very happy with it. But I haven't yet put any I haven't put anything else on my phone except the leather case uh, on my 5s and uh i don't know again it's just so pretty well that's the that's why <laughs> i, I put paint the, it that's why i put the glass on there because right, right. it it looks just as good as the screen and yet it is one more layer of protection and and it will i my, my daughter's had them crack i've never oh i did have i had one crack uh, but it's great that when that cracks for somewhere between 15 and 30 bucks, as opposed to the, you know, $150 digitizer. Right. 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 So, okay. It's awesome good stuff, man. All right. Yes. Um, got here? Okay, you got a couple more and then I'll, I'll toss uh, the, yeah, okay. we had a topic, uh, top. go. Sorry. All right. No, Greg has a, uh, has a great one. He, uh, he wrote a, uh, a, a cool stuff found. Uh, one is a Safari extension and the other is an automated automator action. So he wrote two. The Safari extension is called close left, right tabs. And uh, it does exactly what it says. It brings up the contextual menu in any Safari page and you'll see options to close all tabs to the left or to the right. So you, op- you, you know, right click or option click and it will, will do that. And, uh, and we have, I'm, I'm assuming oh, that they're coming to get you, John. 
And uh, and we have hosted these. I, I put them up in our in our Google Drive um, for uh, for everyone to get. So I'll put the link there. The second one, he says, I often have to combine PDFs into a single file. So I created a service in Automator to do this for me. It combines the files, moves the new PDF to the desktop, and then reveals that in the finders so I can rename it and move it where I want to go. Uh, there's probably a better way to do this, but this works for me. So both of thanks for building these, Greg. Uh, Greg, that's awesome. And we will put both of or the link to our our Google Drive sharing uh, section. I've made it public for everyone to uh, to see. And I'll put it in the uh, in the show notes so that you folks can can get this stuff. And this this is where we will host uh, any of these things. So fun stuff. All right, Dave, I'm yes. just going to randomly toss some things in here. We yeah, talked go. about this uh, uh, in our pre-show, but I thought I would suggest um, a couple of Twitter clients here. Now, there are many options here. And uh, so I believe, Dave, um, when you and I were talking, I believe you use the uh, the uh, Twitter branded uh, client uh, I do uh, on on both your your uh, OS 10 and iOS no I, only on OS 10 um, I use the Twitter client uh, I like the UI of it I don't like that it leaks memory but I, I think part of the reason it leaks so much memory for me is I have not just my own Twitter feed in there but I have the Mac Geekab feed and the Mac Observer feed and so there's a lot of data just being collected in there and I don't think it's purging out of its scroll views often enough so, uh, okay. but, but it, and to say that it leaks memory is wrong. It's, it's actually doing it in a web view. So it, the Twitter app, uh, shows is a real tiny right. amount of Ram, but, but the kernel just blows up. And when I quit Twitter, it, it, go, it goes away, but I like okay. the UI of it. It works for me. So. All right. Now we got some people, some misguided souls in the chat room that, that like this other client, uh, that I don't use. And well, we'll mention it in a moment here, but the one that I like Dave and, uh, oh, I've, dude, I've seen a dude, lot dude, of I'm going to stop you right there. Tweetbot is the only <laughs> one to use on iOS. It, it's really, really good. Wasn't the, the, didn't, uh, Craig, uh, is that his name? No, that's Twitterific that Craig Hockenberry wrote. Tweetbot oh, is, right. is by, um, I can't think of their name off the top of my head, but no, Tweetbot's great. It's, it's the de facto standard and they do have a Mac version. Uh, I, again, I, I'm just happy with the UI of the, 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 yeah. the, the, the Twitter one. Okay. So I haven't tried their Mac version, but, um, all right. So the yeah, one that I like here that I'd like to mention, it. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm kidding, guys. I mean, we all have a personal preference, but I'm going to mention two here, Dave. So one that unfortunately only seems to be specific to OS 10 is called, and I got to be careful here because we're G-rated here, but it's called Yoru Fukoru. Yeah, you've mentioned that one before. Yeah. And I believe it's Japanese for Night Owl. And this thing, Dave, this is like the Swiss Army knife of, uh, and, I, and I put a link in the in the notes here to the uh, link on the Apple Store. But Dave, it, the thing is, this just has so many features. So it has, you know, your feed, your mentions, your DMs. Um, it'll do translations. It integrates with translation engines, uh, photo uploads, desktop uploads, uh, downloading things. Uh, you can filter, which is a feature that a lot of people really like when, you know, there are certain events happening that you just really don't care about. Sure. Um, but I've stuck with this one for, for quite a while and I'm, I'm very pleased with it and it's free. So the price is right. Um, it doesn't do what some of the others do. Like I think a, a lot of people like some of the other clients because it'll do uh, syncing, uh, among your devices, which I can certainly see the value of that. So this does not do that, or at least I haven't found how to make it do that. But, uh, I think it's worth looking at. And I know the, you know, a lot of, uh, Several of my, my Twitter pals uh, like this client as well. The other thing is that it'll show you a sidebar. So and this is on your tweet, this is on your Mac? 
This is OS 10 only. Okay. Um, last I checked. But the nice thing that I really like is that when you click on a tweet, it has a sidebar and it'll show you uh, the person's headshot, the individual, their Twitter handle, the number of tweets, their followers, um, who they're following, their location, their uh, website, their bio, um, and also uh, what client they're using that generated the tweet that they did. So I really like it. I, I've been using it for uh, qu- quite a while now. So so for OS 10, that one is one that I really like. Um, the other one that I like, so when I was doing the PC thing, and uh, so this is available for multiple platforms, and it also has a lot of features I like, but it's called, uh, let me get it here, uh, Genetter. Uh, and it's available for uh, multiple platforms. Uh, I'll put the link to that one as well. And that one's pretty good too. The, that also has... Uh, a lot of features um, that I like, and so I just thought thought I'd toss those out for awesome. people to consider for uh, Twitter clients because you know it's very personal. It is. I, uh, I for, you know the first one I used Dave was actually called Twirl. I don't know if you remember that. I do. It was based yeah. on Adobe Air, and then they kind of abandoned it. But it had all the features I like, you know, the color schemes and the way it separated the data. But then they abandoned it, and it made me sad. And then I had to find another one. So cool. And what do you use on iOS, John? Um, you know, I think I got this one because they, uh, so again, this is a, you know, pronunciation <laughs> challenge here. Let me find it. Um, Usfura. Oh, it's Usfura. O-S- yeah. O-S-F-O-O-R-A is the one that I prefer on, yeah. uh, on iOS. And I think I, uh, yeah, I think it, it, it doesn't cost a lot, but I think I got it when at some point they offered it for free. And and that one so far I've been very happy with on iOS. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, I, I will offer a quick correction. The uh, Greg had written the PDF combiner thing, and that's hosted at the Mac Geek Gab public drop, which there's a link in the show notes. And then uh, the close left, right tabs in Safari is uh, something he had simply found. And uh, and so I've linked to that separately as well. So it is good. Uh, let's see, John, you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about karma? Ah. I'm just giggling here. No, I'm looking at the. Uh, All right, well, I'm going to tell them about our. Um, I'm going to tell them about the second sponsor for this show. While Go, you, while which, you... which I'm not going to giggle about that. Okay, well, that's good. Well, I mean, you might. It's uh, the second sponsor for this show is Connected Data, and uh, and they, as we've talked about many times, they make the uh, transporter series of products. And what the transporter offers you is a device that you plug in at home, uh, and it gives you what I will call private cloud. Uh, this allows you to store your data on the transporter and access it from anywhere. Uh, that may be uh, elsewhere in your home uh, or at your office, the, the same network that the transporter is plugged into, or it might be halfway across the world or even from an airplane. If you have internet access there, the transporter software installs onto your Mac or, uh, or your windows machine And it will sync a folder or multiple folders of data with your machine. And there it is. You you put data in the folder. It automatically syncs it back to the transporter. And then from there to any other computer that exists uh, on the, uh, you know, and connected to that device. And you can set up usernames and passwords. They actually make it super easy. Of all the personal cloud stuff I've ever tested, transporter is the best for sharing a folder or a file of data with someone that does not 
have their own transporters. So for example, if, if John has his own transporter, he and I can just, we've already got transporter accounts and it's easy. And we just say, I want to share this folder with John Braun. It finds him and we're good to go. But if I wanted to share it, say with one of you, uh, and you didn't already have a transporter, it makes it super easy. I put your email address in, I say, share with this person and the rest is taken care of. It's super, super simple this week. And in fact, I believe until uh, the end of February. So even more than this week, the, uh, the transporter folks are offering you a special deal, uh, using the coupon code M G G share H S H A R E. So M G G S H A R E, uh, at their store file, transporter store.com. You can save 25% off the price of a transporter sink. The transporter sink is a device that does all of this stuff, but uses your USB hard drive. So it, uh, it, it sits on your network. You plug it into the network, you plug it into power, and then you plug a USB hard drive into it and it uses your USB drive as storage. So, uh, so you don't have to buy a drive along with the transporter. Normally it's 99 bucks, but you save 25% off between now and the end of February. So you can get this thing for 75 bucks. If you already have a USB hard drive, that's it. You're done. 75 bucks. Just make sure you use the coupon code M G G share at uh, file transporter store.com. And that will, uh, that will get us there. So, uh, so what do you got for me, John? What's next? Well, you want some more cool stuff? I do. I'm going to hit you. No, the, but, but before, the, 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 the reason I chuckled a bit here is, uh, so I was looking at the Usfura uh, homepage. Yeah. And one of their screenshots has a tweet from Glenn Fleischman. I like Glenn. Uh, He's a good guy. Well, well, Glenn is quite the prolific tweeter. And yes, he's he just is. a hell of a guy, too. So, but I thought it was funny that they had him <laughs> on one of the screenshots. I'm like, I know that guy. <laughs> okay. So a couple of other things. What do I got here, Dave? Um, I can, well, you, I, the CSF, I got do, do you want the, the, well, the CSF, you, you want me to, uh, this is all cool that? stuff found. Yeah, let's go. And then I got some other things here, but one, so, so this is something that I saw at a, uh, prior, um, I think I saw this at, yes, the Engadget event here. And I thought it was something that uh, may interest people. And actually, let me pick one of these up here, Dave. Um, so, you know, getting connectivity when you're on the road. Um, you know, as I think I told you guys, I, you know, had kind of an unpleasant experience with T-Mobile because they promised me that I could use my iPhone as a Wi-Fi hotspot. And as it turns out, I couldn't. I was misinformed by their representative, which, which was bad. Um, That's only if you buy their data-only SIM. Just, just if you get a if you get a T-Mobile, I just didn't want to I, I didn't want to give people half the story. If you get an iPhone from T-Mobile, uh, then you you can do all the things that people with an iPhone from T-Mobile can do. What John has is an iPhone from Verizon. He was looking to put a T-Mobile SIM in a data only T-Mobile SIM in, and that does not work. So go right. Unfortunately, when I spoke to the representative on the phone and told them I had a five S, which will is unlocked. Uh, he told me I could do that. And sure. when I got it, I couldn't. Yeah. It so, doesn't work that way. So I think he was uh, misinformed anyways. So, but I, I found it at, at this show, Dave, um, a company that sells this cool little, uh, I believe it runs on the sprint network when I asked them, but it's a cool little Wi-Fi hotspot, similar to some others. But, uh, what I liked about it is that they, uh, 
well, it's pay as you go, which is really what I was looking for when I was talking to T-Mobile. I'm like, look, you know, I just want to, you know, I want to buy the SIM. I want to get the SIM. And when I need the data access, I want to get it from you. When I don't need it, I don't want to pay for what I'm not using, which is my usage pattern for some people that may not work. But sure. For, but, but for me and and actually, I did find that Verizon will let me switch the uh, th- that on and off. So that made me happy. So thank you, Verizon. But um if you go to yourkarma.com, these guys offer a sleek little unit here that will give you Wi-Fi and uh, you know hooks into a 4G network. Again, I think it's Sprint, um, but it's pretty reasonable. I think the uh, y- you buy the unit. Uh, let's see, and I believe the uh, the unit's ninety nine bucks, and it comes with one gig of data. Right, and then you can buy the data at, at varying levels here, and I think they uh, they say uh, pays you needed at fourteen dollars uh, a gigabyte, no recurring fees. So you know, one time cost for the unit itself, and then you get some data, and then if you need to buy more data, depending on how much you buy, you you know you get what you pay for. The more you buy, I guess, the cheaper it is. So just thought I'd mention it because it's a it's a there are other people that offer this, like the MiFi. I guess you know Verizon offers that as well, but. I don't know if you do. You have one of those, or what? What is your? What, what do you do, Dave? Do you use your phone or your iPad or whatever for you know occasional data access or what? Yeah, I. Well, I mean, I still have an old Clear hotspot that I use uh, that that works on oh, okay. uh, Clear's four G network, or uh, I believe it still uses Sprint's three G network. If that's out there, uh, those are pretty slow though. So I use yeah L, the LTE from my phone. I will use. Uh, to to tether in a hotel room or whatever, um, I've got uh, I've got one of these Freedom Pop LTE hotspots on the way. I was able to get that for uh, it was a cheap deal. It was like ninety nine bucks, and I got a gig a month for a year or something. It was pretty pretty cheap. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, but I haven't gotten that yet. That hasn't shown up yet. Okay, so maybe, yeah, I have I have a clear. I I still have one of their older, which I think they don't sell anymore. But I have one of their older USB four G, yeah, things which uh, amazingly still works. <laughs> yeah, there's, but there's a lot of these. You know, it's it's worth checking it out. I'll put a link to the the Freedom Pop thing in the uh, in in the, the show notes here too, because they you, you've got to look at the coverage before you buy one of these things and make sure that whatever areas they've contracted to have coverage are are going to work for you. And, and, and again, we're all different. You know, I, I only need this when I travel and I'm in a hotel room or whatever, and I don't want to use the hotel Wi-Fi because it's way cheaper, you know, to, to, to buy Wi-Fi this way, uh, depending on how much you use, but, but it can be way cheaper than buying, you know, at right. 15 bucks a day in a hotel room or something. So, um, well, the clear thing I was happy with, and actually I, I remember the, the last, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, the, when I got it, uh, when I was traveling, um, Pretty much, I benchmarked it, and the uh, the clear device yeah. 4G. As long as I was in a major city, which you typically are if you're on an airplane, sure, <laughs> or stopping over, I was getting you know on the tens of uh, megabytes a second download, which uh, yeah for me, yeah. So uh, yeah, so I think they're they're still a they're still a player, but uh, I got some more, Dave. But uh, y- your turn, go. Okay, what you got uh, I yeah, I can go with all kinds of stuff. Um. You know, I found this thing and and I'm I'm perhaps late to the party on this as well, but uh the folks at Boinks make an app called Photo Presenter and uh they are up to version 3. And what's cool about this is it, it 
it's an app you'd put on your uh, your your iPad. Uh, I'm not. Sure. I guess you could put it. Yeah, you put it on your iPhone. There's no reason you couldn't. And it it accesses it. It's it's a way of kind of doing a an on the fly presentation where you use your photo library, but you're able to jump around the user interface of of this allows you to very easily jump around and uh, and only show pictures that you want to show. You can you can connect, you know, either with with uh, AirPlay to an Apple TV or to like, you know, you get the HDMI or the VGA adapter for your your iPad or something. You plug it into a projector and now you've got your phone or iPad there showing you all your pictures and you can kind of walk through and it it's a really handy kind of thing for one of those impromptu either I went on vacation and let me talk you through this or if you're doing a presentation and you're not exactly sure how it's going to go you can kind of build all the things ahead of time and then just jump around and uh and you can and then and then they've got cool things inside the app that allows you to uh, you know, highlight different parts. You can kind of use a, you know, a virtual laser pointer in, in the app to, to highlight parts of the photo. And, and again, the photo could be a photograph that you took, or it could be, a, you know, kind of a slide with data on it that, uh, that you have. And it really allows this sort of flexible bouncing around of, of ideas. So check it out. It's, it's called photo presenter. Uh, and it's uh, the just released version three. So it's cool stuff. So check it out. And I believe it's free. I, I'm going to, now you're going to yell at oh. me if it's not. Yeah, it's free. There's an in-app purchase for some of the, for like the laser pointer thing. That's a, that's an in-app purchase, but, um, but you know, for, for the, the kind of the general functionality of this. Yeah, it, it's, it's free and awesome. So check it out. All right, Dave. Yes, I'm John. Get geeky here. Go. Now, uh, I don't know if you've ever had occasion, but uh, say you have a, a file, a data file, all right? yeah. or any file. It doesn't matter. And say you're kind of curious what's going what what's inside of the file. How do you how, how do you find this out? I don't know. Well, I'm going to tell you, Dave. Tell me. There's a, there's a, and this is when today I was looking through my applications folder to see things that I've downloaded and, and used uh, on occasion that, that I think people would really like. And it's a utility called Hex Fiend by Ridiculous Fish. Now, just the name Ridiculous Fish. I mean, just hats off to them because that that's just totally cool. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, Dave? This is a open source Hex editor for OS X. And what does that mean? Well, Hex... Uh, if you don't know, hex is a way to represent data in something called base 16. So we all count in base 10, 1 through 10. Hex is another way of counting, and it includes uh, digits 0 through uh, 9, but also letters A through F, because computers like to do things in power of 2. So what this is, is basically a tiny little editor that will let you uh, open a file and look at the data in both hex and ASCII, because sometimes... Whether it's a data file or an application, there is much that is hidden. And if you use something like this, it will let you not only view the data, but you can also edit it. Now, be careful because you can destroy everything if you change, especially an application or a data file. So be careful when you're using something like this. But um, this is the, the first one I came across, Dave, that just really struck me as, you know, it's small, it's sleek. Uh, it can do, you know, a diff between different files, but uh, it, it's just a... a cool little 
hex editor and viewer. And again, it can show you much that is hidden. So if you really want to know what's in your, whatever type of file on your computer, uh, I would check this out. Cool. All right. Uh, there, there's our link. That's very cool. A hex editor. I haven't used a hex editor in a long time, John. <laughs> Ridiculous fish. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes you need to. I mean, yeah. I think the last time I did it, Dave, was, um, you know, a, a lot of files um, have certain data at the beginning of the file that will help uh, the operating system figure out what the heck it is. And this is really good at doing that. Like, you know, graphics files, like sure. you know, GIF files typically have GIF or something at the beginning. But uh, no, it's really good. Uh, uh, or if you just want to see if there's, you know, mysterious hidden stuff inside of uh, whatever file you have yeah. that you're normally not going to see. So, uh, so I dig it. So uh, yeah, check it out. Yeah, this I'm going to check it out. That's cool. I like it. I like it. Um, that reminds me, man, I, I, I was digging through an old box the other day and I found, uh, oh, a, yes. a, a diskette, a five and a quarter inch disc for the Amer America what? online, um, for the Apple two. And, uh, it would run in Protoss and, and, uh, and all that stuff. And on, on, on the back was, uh, uh, what was it? What was on the back of it? Oh, shrink it was was on the back of that that andy oh wrote, andy nicholas gosh. wrote yeah yeah i know so anyway it, that's the last time i used a hex editor i think was no i'm sure i used it on in system six or something with with um with res edit or something five like and a quarter inch floppy disk yeah wow and i found my badge uh, I found two badges. I found one from an old, old, like one of the first Apple Fests that you and I Dude. went to. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And then the other one, I found my brother's badge from the last Apple Fest we went to when it merged with Computer Fest down in J New Jersey. And we had to shake our fists in anger. At, uh, that was I think that was the day that the fish shake was born. John was. Uh, we did. We was, literally did it. Uh, I forget who was driving. It was me or you. But, I was uh, driving. Yeah, we, we had my brother Matt and and you and and Brian right. Eck in the car with we, us. We yeah. opened opened the windows and we extended our fists and shook them vigorously because uh, we of, shook of their deception. Yeah, it was not good. It was not good. But um, but anyway, that was 1990, like June or something of 1990. We looked up the date. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I found those old badges. I don't know what I kept those around for. I still remember Apple Fest, dude. Yeah, but we can't tell. We can't tell some of the stories. They're they're just not meant for public. No, it's funny. Yeah, I think we could tell that story. I think we've told that story. But uh, we stayed with this kid, and we won't give his name. Um, I, somehow I remember his name. I don't know. But um, John and I lived in Connecticut, and and then you and I drove up to uh, to somewhere in Massachusetts. It was outside of Boston, and stayed with this guy that we knew from our bulletin board scene because John and I both ran bulletin boards, and we called. And this guy also ran a board uh, outside of outside of Boston, and so we stayed with him at his house, and he was younger than us. He was like a high school kid. I mean, I was, I guess I was a high school kid too. At that point, um, you were out of high school, but I wasn't, I was, I was maybe a, a junior or senior. I think I was a senior that year. And, um, and, and so, but he was like maybe a year or two younger than me. And so we drove to his house. We stayed at his house. They like let us camp out in their family room or whatever downstairs. And, uh, and we went to Apple Fest and the, the kid's dad let him uh, skip school one day to go. But he wouldn't let him skip the next day. And uh, and so he's like, dude, I, I want to go to Apple Fest with you guys. We're like, well, whatever you, you know, whatever you want. But, you know, we're not getting involved. And he's like, OK. And so he's like, hang on one second and then I'm going to go. 
And uh, so fine. And we get kind of getting our stuff in the car and it was maybe a 20 minute drive to whatever, whatever to where we needed to go. And uh, he's like, okay, I'm good to go. I'm like, all right, fine. You know, we kind of figured he called his dad. He's like, just don't say anything. You're like, ah, whatever. So we get back to the house later that night. And his dad's outside and he goes back in. He's like, yeah, <laughs> somebody cut my phone line and the kid had cut the phone line so that the, um, so that when the school called, school. they wouldn't leave a message. This was in the days of answering machines. So without the phone line, there could be no message on the answering machine that the kid had skipped school. <laughs> yeah. And I think along with him was the the phrase, I need money for Apple Fest, dude. I think That's we right. heard him we heard him saying that to his dad is the I need money for Apple Fest, dude. Yeah. But he, he like calls really, his dad dude. That's funny. You know what's funny is my kids call me dude now. That's I, I I hadn't I hadn't related the two together, but yeah, he's like, I need money for Apple Fest, dude. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. Uh Good times. All right. I remember his handle, but yeah. That, no, yeah, yeah. I, we'll I, leave that out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. So uh, Ezra, speaking of cool stuff found tied in, we, we've got a little bit of time, not much, but a little bit of time. Ezra found, uh, we were talking about USB voltage me- measurements, and he says, uh, check this out. $6 shipped is this uh, little measurement device, $5.91. And, uh, and sure enough, uh, I've, I've ordered one. He says, uh, I have one. It works great, but it will take you a month to get it delivered. Cause it's five. What did I say? Five ninety one free shipping. So, uh, so I've ordered one. They have my money. I don't have, uh, oh, there's a link. Okay. Good, I don't, good. I don't have my, um, uh, I don't have it yet, but I, I ordered it. I don't know whenever this email came in, which was January 30th. So two weeks ago. So, uh, well, we'll see. So, uh, but it, but it would be cool to measure, uh, uh, it would be cool. So hopefully I get my, uh, get my thing and I don't have to just get my money back. So, uh, what else do we have? Terry, uh, very interesting concept. Terry found, uh, and I think it was <gasps> something on Twitter that he, or no, Terry created this. I think, I don't know. Anyway, Terry sent us, uh, an article. I believe you wrote it uh, using he to create uh, his, his goal was to uh, convert printed text into an audiobook. So he wanted to take articles that he had read uh, or more and listen to them. And so he uh, started with uh, a piece of paper and started with the PDF pen scan plus and uh, and then once he had OCR'd that in, he walks through the whole process of using Voice Dream, which takes text on your iPhone and um, and 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 plays it back for you. So uh, so we'll link to his post where he explains how to use. Uh, but I think you can kind of get the gist. You scan the document with uh, PDF Pen Scan Plus, and then take the, the OCR it inside the the document, and then take that text put it over into voice dream and, uh, and there it goes. So yeah, this was Terry's process using, using those two apps and we'll put the article in the show notes. So fun stuff. Uh, convert. Yes, John. One more. Yeah, go one more for me. And then, then we'll whittle down the the list of remaining, uh, candidates here. But this was a question that I was researching a little while ago here, but I thought I'd toss this out because, uh, Hey, it's cool. And it's cross platform. 
you may have heard of this thing called SNMP, Dave. Yeah, we've Simple talked about it. Network Management Protocol. And uh, basically, this is a protocol for talking to network devices and saying, hey, what's up? And either, uh, I think for the most part, uh, pulling data from them. I think you can also use it to configure them. But I think for the most part, uh, most of us use it for extracting data. And then they have this thing called MIBS, which I believe is Management Information Block, which are little little chunks of data that the device can make available to you. And uh, up until recently, which makes me sad and gives me a sad, Dave, is the uh, up until the uh, 802.11ac uh, airport from Apple, they used to support this. Now they do not. So if you have an Apple, uh, the, the latest Apple stuff, sorry, Charlie. Right. Or whatever your name is. <laughs> but but I found this one that's good, Dave. It's free. It's Java. And it's from a, a group called iReasoning, and it's called the iReasoning Mib browser. So just thought I tossed it out there. Basically, if you give it the address of your airport or any other piece of network equipment that supports SNMP, it will show you cool. all of this data. And it it I mean, sometimes it's overwhelming, all, all the stuff you can get, a list of IP addresses, DHCP. The, it's it's crazy. Just, just try it out. Uh, again, you have to install Java, uh, which uh, by default, I guess, does not come uh, on the latest versions of OS X, but it'll tell you that. Yeah. So yeah. check it. That's cool. I like it. It's good stuff. Uh, ben writes... He said, we recently had a presentation from a guy from Taiwan. I noticed that he seemed to be both controlling the slides on his back MacBook Air and directing a laser pointer from his iPhone. I couldn't work out what was going on. After the talk, he told me that he had an iPin, and it's at iPinLaser.com. It's a tiny laser pointer that slips into the headphone jack of your iPhone. So he was using the remote, uh, the Keynote remote app on the iPhone and then this iPin as his laser pointer. So, uh, so we will put that in the show notes. Very cool stuff. Thanks for sharing that, Ben. And, uh, I think, I think that will, is there one more thing? There's, there can always be one more thing. John. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we can find one more thing. Let me look here. How about John? J O N there? Uh, I hadn't heard of that. I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think? Where is that? Oh yeah, you know end. what? That's fine. Yeah, this one, this one has actually been floating in cool stuff found for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you talking about the very last one, John? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. So he says, uh, I'm not sure if you've already mentioned this. We have not, uh, and this is not available in the USA yet. So I will point that out. But it is called. It is from. Uh, he says Honeywell are introducing a new version of their Evo Home heating controller. That not only works with an iPhone app to remotely control your heating system and has a color touchscreen controller, but it allows you to set a temperature profile for multiple rooms and zones. It says you could set up a bedroom to frost protect during the day, warm up to 20 degrees, and he's, of course, not in the U.S., so he's talking 20 degrees C for bedtime, then remain at 17 degrees overnight. The bathroom could be on frost protection overnight, 23 degrees for showers in the morning, etc., etc. What's cool about this is, uh, and it's again, it, it's Honeywell Evo Home. What it does is even if you only have one zone of heat or if you have multiple rooms controlled by one zone of heat, it uh, it actually controls each register. And, and it, it, you have to have it installed, uh, I would assume, or you have to install it yourself. But but you put these controls on each of the uh, uh, radiators in your home. And so it'll actually 
even though you might have one zone of heat for all four bedrooms and your bathroom, you can still do some controlling uh in inside that zone from room to room with multiple hmm. controllers yeah it's it it is pretty cool um i don't know what the cost is i have i have no idea but it's just it was when i saw it too i was yeah. like whoa that's i've cool. seen them at shows and yeah they're hinting at uh honeywell which uh i believe most of you may uh be familiar with them because they make yeah. a, they call it the round which uh i still see that in a lot of well, houses. they make all kinds of thermostats is what they make yeah yeah. But you know, it's funny. I think still both my, my, my uh, sister and my parents both still have the round, which is this ancient, yeah. you know, thing with a mercury switch that is, uh, you know, just an ancient thermostat because it, it, it's dumb. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. I do have one more thing, John, uh, yeah. that we both have. And it is one of the coolest things that I've gotten to play with lately. And it's it's yeah. stupidly simple. And that's what I love about it. Uh, it's it, it's called the Moss Organizer. You can get it for forty bucks at Amazon, and uh, and what this thing does is it's um, it's just a it, it's built to sit on your desk or your nightstand. I have mine on my my, my nightstand, and it's a little tiny, maybe uh, it's I say tiny. It's you know maybe three inches across. Uh, it's like triangle thing that is a magnet, and it is a magnet that is built to. Hold the, the your unconnected cables. So you know when you unplug your iPhone in the morning and you drop the cable on the floor, and then at night you're digging around trying to find the stupid thing between your your nightstand and your bed, so you can plug your iPhone back in. Well, with this, you unplug the cable from your iPhone, you put it down on this. Uh, it's called the Moss Organizer, and it stays there because it's magnetic all day. And then at the end of the day, you grab the cable off the organizer and plug it back into your iPhone. And and I've oh, got. Yeah. I've got three cables on this thing. It's forty bucks uh, through Amazon, so we'll put uh, we'll put multiple links out there. Uh, but uh, I got I got one. It's I very know. nice. Yeah, it is nice. Well, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. I, I don't really think I have a need for it. I'm I'm trying to ship it to one of our friends. Unfortunately, oh. he's overseas, and this uh, could be. Uh, well, it's our friend Bart over in uh, Ireland. Which, yeah, uh, I don't know. Oh, a pain in the neck shipping things overseas. Well, I got to fill out a freaking customs form to I ship know. it to him. I'm like, dude, I, I got one. I'll, he's like, I want one. I'm like, well, I got one. And I don't think I'm going to use it, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's that. If you have cool stuff found or if you have questions or if you have tips, you can send them into us at feedback at MacGeekGab.com. And if you didn't hear Dave, what he said was feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I did say that. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. You can also call us at 206-666-GEEK, which, John, is... Four, three, three, five. Yeah. But that's not all. Go. We are also, we're on the Facebooks. You can go to Facebook.com slash MacGeekGab. But that's not all. If you're on the Twitters, you can tweet us. And uh, there are many ways. So uh, if, if you're, you know, into what Dave or I are, you know, Dave and I, me and Dave, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not grammar girl. Sorry. It would be Dave and I. Yeah, that point. <laughs> you can find her a grammar girl, I think. But, uh, you can. <laughs> I haven't talked to her in a while. Um, anyways, on Twitter, I am John F. Braun. He is Dave Hamilton. The podcast is Mac Geekab. The publication is Mac 
Observer. Where else can you find us, Dave? You can find us on Google Plus, plus.google.com slash plus, Mac Geek Gab Podcast. We also have a community there where we've been, you've been sharing stuff, we've been sharing stuff, we've been answering questions. It's awesome. Uh, and then uh, both Facebook and Google, we published the times that we're going to be doing the live stream. For those of you that do want to join us here, MacGeekUp.com slash stream is where you can come to uh, chat with us, listen to us, all that good stuff. This show has been a blast. I can't believe that uh, it's over already, but that's how these cool stuff found shows go, isn't it? So, I can't believe it. Dave, we, we just packed. Uh, I think the bandwidth here was uh, the, the geek factor high. was... The geek factor was very high. Yeah. Geek factor is high. Yeah. Or confidence level is high. Or both. We'd like to thank Michael Johnston of the We Have Communicators podcast and of GetAppLure.com. He converts this show to AAC. He adds all the links. He adds all of the chapters and images and all that stuff. So big thanks to Michael. Uh, Cashfly.com. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com provides all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Podcast Marketplace, as we mentioned, has BB Edit from Barebones Software, Text Expander from Smile, the File Transporter from Connected Data, coupon code MGG Share, Gazelle.com, sell all your stuff off, and of course Squarespace, and their coupon code is just MGG, as it should be. All through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. John? Hey. Uh, Dave? Yes. Anything else? Uh, well, yeah. Okay, one last thing. Don't get caught. Made up.